Okay, hello there guys. I hope you're doing well. Today we're going to be doing something a little bit differently. I'm going to be walking uh, you guys through my escape from the Australian Gulag uh, because I've been asked by lots of Bitcoiners on Twitter, hey, how the hell did you get out of Australia? So I'm going to do a little podcast today explaining why I left how I did it, the challenges involved with escaping Australia, whether I intend on going back, and most importantly, how I think the sovereign individual thesis will unfold come over the coming decade, uh, because that book really did influence uh, my decision to leave Australia and uh, look for a private citadel somewhere else around the world. So that is what we're going to be talking about in today's video. It also kind of kills two birds with one stone because I didn't have time to schedule um, a, a, um, a Zoom recording with someone else to uh, rip a, a normal one-on-one -on -one kind of podcast um, uh, this week. So we're going to kill two birds with one stone and you guys are just going to have to put up with me ranting and raving into a camera for today's uh, podcast. Um, that is actually why I have been so uh, busy recently and haven't been able to put out um, the same, you know, podcast every week because I've been really, really busy um, trying to escape Australia and uh, look for a sovereign country somewhere else around the world. So we're going to get into that today. First, we should probably hear from the show sponsor who is Coinbeast. Um, do you guys need Bitcoin support? Well, you can book a one-on-one -on -one video call with a Bitcoin pro at Coinbeast Connect. Uh, you can ask questions about mining, self-custody, multi-sig setups, how to run a full node, how to run the Lightning Network, and how to use that to accept Bitcoin payments. Um, it's really easy. All you need to do is go to coinbeast.com, select a pro and a time that you're available, um, and that's it. You can schedule a meeting with any Bitcoin pro that you like. It's, it's that simple. Learning about Bitcoin has never been easier. Um, so... That's our show sponsor from today, Coinbeast. Check them out, guys. Um, but let's jump straight on into today's podcast. I have a couple of notes up here on screen. Um, I have two screens here. I'm not just uh, ignoring you guys on my left. Um, I'm trying to uh, get a little bit structured here because I am known to ramble and go off topic. So we're going to start with the big one, um, the state of Australia and why I chose to leave. Uh, lots of people ask me all the time, Luke, is Australia really as bad as what you see on the news? Yes, bits, bits and pieces, yes and no. So yes, in Melbourne and Sydney, in the cities, things are really bad. Uh, yes, protesters got shot with rubber bullets um, running away from the police in a protest. So yes, people getting shot in the back with these rubber projectiles. That's scary. Yes, the government cut off the internet um, when people were trying to share videos, just documenting this whole process and showing the size of the video that happened. Uh, yes, the government banned the media um, at one stage from flying their helicopters over the size of the um, over the top of the protest in the sky and filming how large the protests were. Yes, all of that happened, um, and most of that was happening when we did have the largest uh, rallies in late 2021. At one stage, um, there's a couple of rallies that went back to back. Um, and on the weekend, there was a million Australians in the street across um, all the capital cities. Um, so combined a million people uh, marching against the tyrannical actions of our government. Um, so that's like 5% of the Australian population. So there is actually a good, good amount of uh, pushback um, from the Australians. And that's maybe why restrictions have been eased recently. Um, but I, I don't think 
recent easing in restrictions is anything that uh, you guys should kind of uh, rest on your laurels about. I left because I think it's going to get a lot worse for Western countries around the world as a whole. So that's Australia, that's Canada, that's the UK, even the US to an extent. Um, and oh my God, especially Europe. Europe's fucked. Um, and that's because um, for a couple of different reasons. Um, firstly, um, is I think we're going to be living through the largest sovereign debt bubble bursting um, of all time in human history. That's a big claim, but the numbers seem to back it up. Um, most Western countries around the world have a debt to GDP ratio above 130%. Um, and um, there's a really good report that everybody knows that I keep screaming about by Hirschman Capital. They looked back at the past 250 years of monetary history. And they uh, looked at the 52 countries who reached debt to GDP levels of 130% or higher. 98.5% of those uh, countries that reached debt to GDP levels of 130% defaulted on that debt. So that's a 98.5% chance of default. And when governments default on that debt, they generally chose to default through inflation, currency devaluation, or hyperinflation. Put very simply, governments would simply print money, devalue money, and pay back their massive debts with the devalued money. Um, that's the more politically palatable um, option and uh, way that governments choose to pay back their debts. It's a little bit more stealthy, and it's a way they can do it without admitting they were wrong. If they chose to default on their massive debt through deflation, they would actually have to come out and say, look, guys, no more money printing, no more massive fiscal deficits being run by the government. We need to tighten our belts. The reason we've got 139% debt to GDP ratio in the United States as of 2021 um, is because we were irresponsible. We accumulated too much debt. We couldn't balance our budget. So now we're going to stop printing money and we're going to raise rates to where they should be. Um, and obviously asset prices would fall 90%. A lot of people say, Luke, 90%, you're crazy. Well, I don't think so. Um, we have, we've got more debt today um, around the world than we did in the 1930s. And when we reached the conclusion of that 80-year long-term debt cycle in the 1930s, you saw a 90% correction in asset prices across the board um, when that debt was able to be deleveraged. But that's beside the point. I could rant about macro for hours. Um, I think... Western countries are going to go through a debt deleveraging or a default. You're already starting to see the beginning signs of that. So the US in particular is seeing um, inflation at its highest level in over 40 years. That's massive. And a lot of people are just brushing that one off. Um, guess what? It's only going to get worse. Um, and obviously the war with Russia and Ukraine's provided them the perfect political cover to continue printing money and devaluing money uh, to pay back the massive debts they have. But that's beside the point as well. We're talking about the sovereign individual thesis and why I chose to leave Australia. Um, I, so I think around the world, you're going to see governments defa defaulting on their debt in the next five or 10 years. Um, if you want to know why it's that specific time frame, I've written multiple articles talking about the 80-year long-term debt cycle. Um, but I think essentially in late 2019, when the repo market blew up, that kind of set the timer for we're, we're going to live for about of a 10-year period of default um, or debt deleveraging. Um, we saw the same thing in the 1940s. Um, we saw a 10-year period between 1945 and 1952 where the US government pinned interest rates at an artificially low level and they let inflation run at 10 or 15% for those seven, eight, 10 years. 
and they deleverage themselves from 120% debt to GDP to like 60 to 70% debt to GDP. Obviously, rough figures is off the top of my head, but that's what we're going to see over the next 10 years. Governments just need the perfect, perfect excuses to keep interest rates low and continue the money printer going. Um, obviously, we've seen two perfect excuses, COVID in early 2020, and just as they're about to raise rates, um, leading into early 2022, oh, surprise, surprise, we've got a war with Russia and Ukraine. So that means we're gonna we can't raise rates as much as we um, initially aggressively forecasted, we're gonna, and we're going to continue printing money. But that's besides the point. That all that macroeconomic ramble and tangent was a way to say bankrupt governments turn into tyrannical governments. And a lot of the Western countries who have done well over the previous hundred years of this fiat fiasco, like Europe, UK, US, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, you know, um, I think they're going, their citizens are going to get the biggest shock because um, they haven't lived through a currency devaluation or a currency crisis like most countries in Africa and Latin America have over the previous 50 years. Um, is it Argentina who's defaulted on their debt um, like three or four times in the past 20 years? I think they've had like four currency collapses in the past 30 years. They don't trust their government. They know that their money's broken. They know what it's like to live poor and live through really high levels of inflation. They're not going to get a big shock over the next 10 years when we have some sort of deleveraging event. Um, the people in the Western world, like Australia, Canada, UK, they're in, we're pretty entitled. We, as a whole, um, we think that's just how life is. We think that it's normal to um, just live off the tit of the government and get paid welfare checks and that it, nobody stops to ask themselves, where does that printed money come from? Um, that the government gives me to pay to sit on my ass and um, support the propaganda that it's pushed that it puts forward. But that's beside the point. Western countries are going to have a pretty shitty few years on their hands. That's why I chose to get out of Australia because I think shit's only going to get worse. And I think it's a really important time of the next five years to surround yourself with like-minded people, um, which is obviously Bitcoiners. Get yourself into a freedom-loving country or jurisdiction of the world. Um, and surround yourself with Bitcoiners who know what's going on because the everyday person or your neighbor who might be really friendly right now, what happens if your neighbor can't feed his family or his kids? Typically, when you look for a currency collapses, the everyday person or someone you might consider a really nice guy, they can turn a little bit crazy when they can't feed their kids. It becomes kind of life and death situation. So um, that's just reinforcing the point that laser hodls made famous or popular, I suppose. Um, make yourself asymmetrically hard to bring tyranny to your doorstep. Okay. You want to make it, um, you want to put yourself in a location where you, you're protecting yourself. Obviously, if you're living in the cities, the, the nation state can bring tyranny to your doorstep very easily. You could have a Black Lives Matter or an Antifa protest on your on your doorstep in the tomorrow, and um, they might be demanding money from you. So obviously that's besides the point. But get yourself in a in a in a, um, in a local kind of community. Get out of the cities um, because shit's going to get bad. And the countries, these these Western countries are probably going to have the um, the biggest kind of culture shock when um, shit starts to go down. So that's a little bit on the sovereign individual thesis. Um, I want to talk about countries that I think are going to be good moving forward over the next five or ten years. 
Um, so I think, I really do think Latin America is the continent you want to be on in the next 10 years. I think the United States is the last stand for freedom. So when I was looking at which country I wanted to go to, obviously the US is number one and number two was Latin America. So that's somewhere like Mexico um, and anywhere in Latin America, a couple of different reasons why. Um, they're the not like the red states in the US and Mexico in particular have their borders open to unquaxinated people. Um, and that's something that I really like. Um, and I think um, there's a few, yes, there's a few Eastern European countries and Slovenian countries um, that kind of are saying no to Klaus Schwab and his great reset agenda, but um, it's too cold for me. I fucking, I hate cold weather. I was just in Vegas yesterday and I was shivering my ball sack off the whole time. I hate cold weather. So Mexico or the US for me. Um, and obviously now Latin America. Why do I like Latin America? Um, a lot of Latin America has their borders open, um, even to the unquaxinated people. And that's because they really do rely on uh, uh, tourism, I suppose. And they don't like Klaus Schwab and the fucking IMF. They've been... But I can't say that on YouTube, but they've they've had a hard time from the IMF over the past 30 or 40 years. So they're not going to enforce the tyranny that Klaus Schwab has enforced onto the Western world's governments. Um, like we've all seen um, be the Belarus president come out in early 2020 and he was very open about it. He was like, look, I just I just got offered an $890 million bribe um, from the IMF or was it the World Economic Forum? I'm pretty sure it was the IMF. Um, to lock down uh, my country and enforce martial law. I'm not doing it, though. Um, fuck you, Klaus Schwab. This is the president of Belarus saying this. So we can only assume or speculate that other Western countries have taken that money, um, but it would appear that a lot of Latin American countries have said no to Klaus Schwab because they've been in debt to the IMF before and they've essentially made themselves debt slaves. So countries like Mexico, um, and El Salvador, they've got their borders open to unquaxinated people. And I think that's a really interesting trend to observe. I think it's also interesting to observe the rise of Bitcoin in lots of countries across Latin America, um, whether it's uh, Colombia, God, Mexico, there's um, the two richest people in Mexico are battling it out to accept Bitcoin at their shops. And you've also got a politician, the young female whose name escapes my mind, um, trying to implement Bitcoin as legal tender in Mexico. She's probably small and she's probably not going to get the bill through, but it's a good trend to observe. Um, a Colombian a politician, same story. Panama released friendly Bitcoin and crypto uh, regulation after the El Salvador announcement um, in 2021. And there's uh, obviously Rio as well. Um, the city of Rio said, yep, we're going to put 1% of our treasury reserves in Bitcoin. And they also implemented a favorable uh, Bitcoin tax structure. Um, there were a few other countries in Latin America that were have been uh, posturing as being friendly towards Bitcoin recently, uh, but they escaped my brain at, um, at the moment. So I really like Latin America um, by, because of the freedom um, posturing that they're doing around bodily autonomy. Um, but then also in Bitcoin. So I think um, countries that adopt Bitcoin, they're a good proxy to look at um, for freedom as well, because obviously a Bitcoin country is going to also adopt uh, freedom. Uh, El Salvador is a good example of that. El Salvador adopted Bitcoin um, and the, the majority of Bitcoiners um, also respect freedom and let's say bodily autonomy. And they um, that's because 
I suppose, a common trait amongst a lot of Bitcoiners. I don't want to overgeneralize, but a lot of Bitcoiners really um, value, um, obviously, um, not trusting and verifying information. That's why we use Bitcoin and we don't use government money because we've verified that government money is bad. And obviously, a lot of Bitcoiners um, practice that principles um, in lots of other aspects of their life. So they verify uh, government medicine and they verify the education system. And they've come to conclusions that those things aren't, um, the government's also lying to us in those other as aspects. Um, so Bitcoiners obviously uh, believe in freedom and bodily autonomy after they've done that verification. Uh, I'll leave that tangent there and try not to get kicked off YouTube. Um, but so you're going to see countries adopt Bitcoin like El Salvador. And then you're also going to see them come out and do what Naib Bikeli did. He said, you know what? You're not going to have to um, shove that thing with methyl oxide or whatever on the end of the tip of it halfway up your nose to enter our country. No PCR tests. And you know what? You don't need to be quaccinated to come in. Um, I thought I thought that was very interesting by El Salvador. And I think that's something um, that other Latin American countries, if they adopt Bitcoin legal tender, I'll be interested to watch whether they also adopt uh, a freedom um, ideology and uh, bodily autonomy um, practices like Naib Bikeli did. Um, so I've touched on a few things there. I've touched on countries that I like moving forward. Um, get out of Europe, guys. I think Europe's an absolute Orwellian hellhole. Um, obviously, that's where Davos is centered. Um, Klaus Schwab is, I'm pretty sure, is in Germany, and Davos is centered out of Europe. I see that going down the gurgler. Um, the blue states in the US, they're probably going down the gurgler. Australia, the UK, they've got further to fall, guys. These Latin American countries have lived through poverty and inflation for their whole life. Um, if it gets a little bit worse, it's it's not going to change dramatically. I think shit's going to change dramatically in the Western world. Um, so that's a little bit. Let's talk about the process of actually getting out of Australia after I take a quick swig on my uh, tiki out sunkies. So I've got a lot of Bitcoiners asking, how the hell did you even get out of Australia? Because they only opened the international borders about a month ago. I was pretty much on the first flight. Fuck out of there. Um, I think they only opened their borders three or four weeks ago. Um, and obviously, I had the extra challenge of being unquaccinated because I refuse to take government medicine no matter what. Um, we, for reasons we're not probably not going to go into on this podcast, uh, but there's many. Um, so obviously, as an unquaccinated person, I actually had to ask the government's permission to leave the country. Yeah, that's right. In a free and democratic country, I had to ask the government's permission whether I could leave. And they actually approved it. Surprise, surprise. Um, so you have to fill out a stat deck. You need a letter from your boss to say, look, he, they need you overseas. So my amazing new boss uh, sorted me out there with a work letter to get me overseas to Mexico. Um, so that was great. And obviously you had to write a stack deck and you have to also say that you're not going to need the government's help um, into the future. Um, so that's what you have to do. And you have to say you're leaving for longer than three months. Um, so I did all that. Government approved my, tra my travel request to leave the country. Unbelievable, honestly. Ask yourself if you really do leave in a free country, do you need to actually ask the government's permission to leave your jail cell? That's what it's like. It's literally an open air prison and I'm not going back under any circumstance. Um, so that was the process of getting out of Australia. 
uh, the process of getting into Mexico. So this is where the shit show continues because there's no direct flights from Australia to Mexico. So you had to go through connecting flights. Obviously, most of the flights from Australia um, that get you to Mexico, they go Australia, the United States, and then Mexico. Well, guess what? The US has their borders closed to the unquaccinated people. So I couldn't, I couldn't even transit through the US. I had to find another route. Um, so you can go um, from Australia to Turkey to Mexico. I believe that's a route. You can also go Australia. Um, I'm pretty sure you can go to Doha or uh, Dubai and to Mexico. Pretty sure that's a route that the unvaccinated can take. You can go through Japan, but you have to do like a week's quarantine from memory. Um, so, and believe it or not, the route I took was Canada. You can transit through Canada being an unquaccinated person. Yes, I was surprised as you all are, um, given just how tyrannical uh, Canada has, has gone recently. Um, that's actually a great, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. That's actually a great point about Canada. People say, oh, the Western countries can't get too tyrannical. Um, did you just see Canada? <laughs> They're literally freezing people's bank accounts. And that's just a sign of things to come from the Western countries. And citizens in Canada would have been pretty damn shocked watching that one. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. You're already, you're already hearing talk of unrealized capital gains talk um, in the US. And um, you, you've also got talk in Austria and um, Australia about a health tax being in, imposed on the unvaccinated people. So that means if you're unquaxed, what they're going to do is they're going to take money out of your bank account every month and call it a health tax. Expect things like that to continue in the Western world, guys. They're going to milk, they're going to milk um, those tax cows dry. And that's how they're going to try and pay for their massive debt. They're going to obviously raise taxes and they're going to steal your wealth through um, the silent tax that is currency devaluation and inflation. So, you know, be on the lookout there. That was a little bit of a side tangent, but um, that's how um, I got into Mexico. You need to find a connecting flight. Um, and um, and then obviously this doesn't just apply for Mexico. This is anywhere in Latin America. So El Salvador's um, the same um, or very similar. And there's lots of other nice little countries in Latin America that are shaping up pretty nicely in my eyes. Um, I, I think that's just about everything I wanted to hit on, guys. Um, I was in Mexico for a couple of weeks. People ask me what it's like. I went to Cancun, um, more of a kind of touristy area. Um Mexico, Mexico is a beautiful country. It like it is, it's not a first world country though. Like you will get a little bit of a culture shock. Like people are pretty poor there. They they are, um, but it's a very nice country. Very nice people. Very nice uh, people indeed. Um, I I got by on fuck all Spanish. Um, I didn't know much Spanish whatsoever. Um, and you, I could still get by. There's lots of uh, English-speaking people, lots of Bitcoiners in Mexico, um, which is really what you want to see. Um, obviously, lots of other Bitcoiners have come to the conclusion that they're going to flee their um, Western, quote-unquote, democratic free country and move to El Salvador. So that's something I, was, I observed. Lots of Bitcoiners in Mexico. Um, Cancun's very nice. Tulum's very nice. Went and saw the pyramids, the seventh wonder of the world. They were very nice. Uh, what can I say? Mexico is a great country. And um, if I get the boot from the United States, um, you know, I mean, I, I will happily live in Latin America. I'm not going back to the uh, Australia under any circumstance, really. 
Um, I, I really want to get out of those Western countries um, for living out this kind of transition. Um, go where you're treated best, honestly, guys. Um, and that's kind of the thesis of the sovereign individual playbook. You're going to have these smaller countries, these free private cities, whether it, whether they emerge in Mexico or Nicaragua or El Salvador, these countries are going to be competing um, for you. So you're going to make yourself, um, yeah, if you're a Bitcoiner, they want your capital. They want, they want you to spend your Bitcoin in their country. Um, something else I think you should probably do and something I've been asked about um, people say, oh, but what about my job? I don't want to leave my job. Change careers. Um, like that's what I did. I shut down in early 2020. I pretty much shut down my um, small personal training gym because I could see the quacks and nations um, would eventually come to me. This was early 2020. I said, okay, they're eventually going to come for me, especially my industry. I need to find an online job that I can do from anywhere around the world. And I focus my energies on getting Bitcoin jobs. And I've got a handful of them now that I can do remotely anywhere around the world. So honestly, it can be done pretty easily. If a bogan like me can get some online jobs, I'm sure you can. Um, if you want to know more about that, hit me up and I can help you out. Um, give you some tips and tricks um, and things to focus on. Um, but it's really that it, it's really pretty easy. If you just do a little bit of work, proof of work, guys, um, you can, I, I suggest you look for a, a mobile job or an online job um, that enables you to work from anywhere and enables you to leave your Orwellian, draconian, uh, Western, quote unquote, democratic and free country and live, for, live in a future citadel. Like surround yourself with like-minded people um, who believe in freedom and bodily autonomy. Um, I think that's a good approach moving forward. And especially during the transition, if you're surrounded by Bitcoiners, they're typically preparing to weather this transition. Um, and when shit hits the fan, they're not going to rob you um, because they know what's coming. Um, they've prepared for it. So that's just about everything I hit on. Something else actually I get asked about a lot is um, how bad are the masks on the plane? Boy, do I have a story for you guys. I had a fucking 16-hour flight from Sydney, Australia to Vancouver, Canada. Um, and boy, did I have a shit show of a time. I was talking to some Canadian bird there pretty much the whole trip. But so anyway, you talk, you're talking to someone and if your mask slips down, you get a mask Nazi running up the aisle of the plane put your damn mask on, they're screaming at you. Um, within the first hour and a half, I, I I got told off probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight times. It was absolutely ridiculous. You got the mask, you, you can have the mask down under your chin and say, for example, I had my water bottle like this, about to take a drink and a mask Nazi would run up. I, I You haven't taken a sip of that water in more than 15 seconds. Put your mask back on. It's unbelievable. Even... Um, so I had food, you know, you got a little fold down tray, had my food, I was eating a little bit of tucker. Um, obviously it was uh, steak and chicken. I wasn't eating any of that fiat food guys. Um, but I, I had, so I had my knife and fork, my food on my little fold down plate. I had food on the end of my fork, obviously mask around my chin. I took the cunt off and I had food on my fork and a masked Nazi come running down the aisle. I've been watching you for the past 12 seconds. You, you're not eating that food. You need to put your mask back on. I was like, look, mate, I've got a mask on. It was absolutely ridiculous. So about two hours in, I copped, a, uh, copped an official warning. They drew me up one of those stupid fucking documents, essentially saying, look, if we need to warn you about wearing a mask up over your snoz one more time, we're going to stop the flight and you're going to get like a $5,000 fine and all this kind of crap. So 
Um, I, how bad are the mask Nazis on the plane? Fucking bad. They made me suffocate for about the other 15 hours of that flight. I had to wear that stupid mask the whole time. And it's, it's annoying. It's disgusting. You can't breathe in it. It's horrendous. It's, it's actually, it's, it's uh, I, I call it uh, human abuse. And I will remember the people who enforce the masks um, when Nuremberg 2.0 rolls around. Don't you worry. Um, so yes, masks are horrible. Um, yes, there was a big, big difference between flights um so that flight from sydney to canada absolute shit show like the nazis love their new power um but for example flights from mexico to the u.s and flights within the u.s borders not so bad not so bad at all they honestly don't care they don't give a fuck so that's interesting um let me know in the comments what you guys think about that or whether you've had similar experiences um whether it's just the canadians and australians whose the power has gone to the head of the flight attendants and they're actually loving the narrative. Um, they love enforcing the narrative. They believe the narrative. Um, what's the quote from the Matrix? Um, they, they're so hell-bent on um, supporting the system at all costs. Um, they will fight for the system at all costs. Um, the quote escapes me, but I think you guys get the gist of it. People in America and Mexico just don't give a fuck. Um, I rarely got asked to put my mask on properly. Like I'll wear it right up under my chin, hanging off one ear. I would just refused to put the thing on in the planes and they didn't care in America or, or the flights in uh, Mexico either. So I thought that was cool. Um, let me know if you've had, you've had the same experiences. Um, I'm just looking at my little, my little list of things I wanted to hit on. I think I've just about hit on everything guys. Um, I think I've beaten that one to death. The Western countries are going to fall because they're a lot higher up and elevated than these other um, poor third world countries that have already lived through tyranny and inflation um western countries i think that's just about it um i walked you through the process of how to get out of australia um masks mexico um customs oh i don't know okay so here's here's another story i don't know whether it was me and just because i got a shitty haircut and i look like a bogan but i got some sh i got some shit um in customs in mexico and the u.s um so I, I don't know. I got let in eventually, but both times is a little bit of a shit show. Maybe they were just trying to fill their quotas and they thought, ah, oh, good little white boy. We can, we can, we can try and uh, cause this guy some ruckus. Um, but uh, customs is okay. As long as you don't, you don't tell them too much. Um, I think that is um, just about everything guys. Um, if you like the video or if you want to hear more about um, my journey from, uh, escaping Australia and into Mexico and the US, um, let me know. Um, planes and customs don't check uh, documents very thoroughly. Um, so a lot of people ask me about uh, travel documents, we'll say. Um, you know, if you've got a travel document, you're good to go. Um, we'll put it that we'll put it that way. Um, and I, I hope you enjoyed the video, guys. If you think um if there's someone suffering from stockholm syndrome um around you and needs a little nudge uh, to take the leap of faith and leave their western prison uh, you can send them this video if you like um and i hope it inspires more people um to um live the sovereign individual thesis because i think those who do um and those who do kind of live that digital nomad life over the next five or ten years they're going to be profoundly benefited um i think there's lots of opportunities 
um, surrounding yourself with like-minded people and escaping tyrannical Western government regimes where you may be paying 50 to 60% in taxes. Um, you're paying for your nose in um, obviously currency devaluation and inflation and, and you're getting locked down like, in, like you're like you're some servant um, living in a jail cell. Why not go and live in a, in a country that's going to actually treat you like a customer and not a, not a, cow to be milked for your money so that's that could um that's probably my advice and probably a good note to leave the video out on um so the next podcast guys i'm probably going to structure it going to go back to normal and it's going to be a one-on-one -on -one podcast where i interview a bitcoiner uh, but they uh that's my rants for today guys hope you enjoyed it and i hope it's given you some sort of value um or some sort of ideas uh, for what to do um Anyway, always good catching up with you guys. Have a good one.